This is Ivan Stegic, host of the 107 podcast. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. Otherwise, you'll know this is not how we usually open an episode. We're doing a survey of our listeners, that's you, and we'd love for you to participate. Would you consider helping us? You can take the survey online at 107.com/survey, and if you're listening on the episode page itself, just click on the gray bar at the top of the page. Thank you. And now on to the episode. Hey everyone, you're listening to the 107 podcast where we get together every fortnight and sometimes more often to talk about technology, business and the humans in it. I'm your host, Ivan Stegic. My guests today are Alison Paris and Chad Paris, co-founders of Paris Leaf, a branding and design agency in Gainesville, Florida, whose mission is to guide courageous brands, illuminate curious minds, and grow communities by design. They are a dynamic husband and wife duo that serve as the CEO and COO of the company, respectively. I met them in Bend, Oregon at Owner Camp. There's definitely a trend in this series of episodes in the podcast. So, hey guys, welcome to the podcast. Hello, welcome. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Uh, it's wonderful to be talking to you both at the same time, and I'm not sure how it's going to work out, so maybe I'll say each of your names when I'm directing a question, but uh, if I don't say a name, just feel free to jump in. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> Sounds good. So usually I start at the beginning and work my way up to where you guys founded the agency and we talk a little bit about the agency. So I'd like to start with you, Allison. Sure. Where are you from? Where did you grow up? I was born in Boston, Massachusetts, and then um, spent most of my formative years in um, Marietta, Georgia. And that's actually where I grew up. And it's also where I met Chad. Woohoo. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> So you went to something called the Wheeler Magnet I School? I did, yes. That... Why, why that particular school? Was it just the one local to you, or was there a reason you went there? Um, it was actually the, the local school, so I lived within the district, but I was really lucky because um, they offered the magnet program for advanced, advanced math, science, and technology, which were areas that I was interested in and kind of excelled in. Um, so I had the opportunity to to participate in that magnet program. So we had a really large high school, but I was in kind of a, a pretty small cohort. There were about 100 of us in our class as compared to, I think, over 1,000 in our um, our entire class at, at the school. So Where the rest of us normies were. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys actually met in high school? We actually met when we were eight. We uh, were on the same swim oh, team. Oh, wow. Um, so we've known each other quite a long time kind of ran circles around one another through, uh, you know, uh, years growing up and then kind of reconnected towards the end of our college career. And we're, we'll get to college and how you guys got there. Um, I, I want to know and hear more about um, the Wheeler Magnet sure. School. What, what did you love doing there? It sounds like it was very attractive to you to, to be at that yeah, School. so um, I really was always attracted to um, topics and uh, subjects that challenged me, and science and math were definitely um, high on that list. So I 
really appreciated the magnet school because I was given the opportunity to take about um, eight years worth of science in four years. Um, so every wow. yeah every semester I would take a different science course, and I was able to. Uh, advanced my math classes as well. So um, just an opportunity to, to try out a bunch of different topics. And, um, you know, I was able to take a genetics course. I was able to do an internship at the CDC one semester. Um, so it was a really powerful opportunity at such a young age. And then you were able to apply the science knowledge that you learned there at the University of Georgia while studying the... Um, the communication sciences and disorders, yes. right? Did you I get did. that right? Yeah, CSD. Yeah, that was my major um, in undergrad, and I had a, a focus in neuroscience, um, which brought me to my graduate degree at the University of Florida. So, so neuroscience is like the perfect background for an agency, right? Because it's all yes, about emotion. Exactly. Well, at least the area that I was at interested in. What, was that the plan? That was never really the plan on paper. Um, <laughs> I will say that I'm immensely grateful for the kind of crooked path that has led me to my current position at Parisleaf. I think I never really saw this. Uh, if you had asked me, you know, when I was at Wheeler Magnet, if this was going to be what I did professionally, um, I always envisioned myself being in academia. But I gave academia a, a solid try. I was there for five years at the University of Florida, and. Um, it just never, it never felt right. Um, whereas the work that I was doing at Paris Leaf um, always felt like my true calling and where I brought the most value. Mm. So I ultimately joined full time in 2013, um, left kind of the academic uh, trajectory at University of Florida and came over to Paris Leaf full time. And I've been here full time since 2013. So Okay, mm -hmm. so at Parisley full time since 2013. Mm -hmm. Let's let's go back a little bit, Chad, now and talk about where you grew up and where did you come from and how you ended up meeting um, Allison when you were eight. Oh. And do you remember that day when you were eight <laughs> years old? <laughs> I, I do very well, but I, I say we just keep this thing focused on Allison. I'm enjoying you interviewing her. Oh, I'm man. just going to kick back here, I, Yvonne. This is this is awesome. <laughs> well, I, I suppose we could keep going that way, but I, I'm sure our listeners want to hear from you too, Chad, and then we'll, we'll kind of wheel our way back. Yeah, How's that? Sounds good. Um, so yeah, what about me? What do you want to know? Where did you grow up as well? In Georgia or was it somewhere else? And how, how did you end up meeting her at eight yeah, years old? So what, was, what were the circumstances? Same place, actually. So our, our neighborhoods actually backed up to each other. Uh, so we grew up in different neighborhoods, but... Uh, Allison lived in a smaller neighborhood, so all of the kids from her neighborhood would come over to our neighborhood to join our swim team, and um, yeah, we are on the same swim team together in Marietta, Georgia. It was really cool. I can't say that I necessarily remember that day, but I, I, <laughs> I can't lie, I remember my eight-year-old self seeing Allison's eight-year-old self and be like, that is a hottie. <laughs> <laughs> That's oh awesome. <laughs> yeah. I, I can hear you blushing, so, Allie. Yeah. You got me. All right. So after that fateful day, you obviously went to the same high school as um, Allison, as you guys had mentioned yeah. earlier, but your paths kind of dis diverged yeah, I, I at some point? I would say we went to the same high school. I mean, we did technically. We were on the same campus, but totally different experience. I was with the... Uh, I, I was with the the normies, the football players, the the baseball players, and 
Allie was with the nerds. So, um, yeah, it was it was a very different high school experience. I went through, uh, um, I think, two years of science and four years, whereas she went through eight years of science and four years. So <laughs> <laughs> that's a little bit of a difference. Wait a second, Chad. Are you a jock? <laughs> no. Don't worry. I took enough science for both of us. Okay, good. Yeah. No. And then you ended up at the University of North Georgia, which is not the University of Georgia. It is not the University of Georgia. It's actually a feeder school for the University of Georgia. And um, so we, w the plan was actually to eventually get into UGA, but my formative years in college kind of disagreed with that. So hmm. um, ended up putting four years into a two-year degree and, and ended up following my career path instead of uh, uh, instead of continuing on with college, so worked out pretty well. It was uh, all of our friends are coming out of school at the height of the recession, so um, really just decided to focus on my career early on. That's certainly and tough. Jumped right wow. in. Yeah, it worked out well. And you studied business, right? So your background is in um, kind of the business of uh, making it rain, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> You could say that I studied business, but I just did business. I mean, I just, I went right to work. So, um, I mean, I studied business more under mentors than in school and in books. And then you worked a couple of jobs before starting Paris Leaf. I'd always thought that you two got together and then started Paris Leaf. Um, but the way, Ellison, you described it earlier, it sounded like you were only full-time after it had already been founded. So can, can you guys take us through what actually happened there in the formative years? Yeah. Allie, do you want to take this one? Or do you want me to? I mean, I'm happy to take it. Um, we actually did start uh, Paris Leaf in 2010. It was my second year in graduate school, and I supported the business um, on nights and weekends, um, and I managed all of the kind of operations, financials, and processing um, we did a lot of print uh, print projects at that point in time, so that was kind of my role. Uh, Chad obviously was working full time in the business, you know, curating um, and developing relationships and bringing in more opportunities. Um, and yes, I was that crazy student who also had a full time uh, job outside of outside of uh, what I was doing at the university. So I was involved part-time um, up until 2013, and then in 2013, I decided to come in full-time. Were you guys sitting around the table one day and said, okay, let's start a business, or did it kind of just happen? <laughs> yeah, it kind of just happened. Um, uh, so what happened was, what happened was, Yvonne, we, um, I was working at a marketing firm here in town, and that was after, uh, you know, uh, leaving a, a pretty large uh, T-shirt manufacturer that I was working as a screen printer manufacturer uh, out of Athens. And I had lost my assistant. And so around that time, Allie and I, I both grew up playing uh, team sports. I'm not the only jock here. So, <laughs> um, so we always had this kind of like team spirit about our relationship. And it had always just kind of been such a perfect fit. It was like everywhere where I was broken, she fit right in. And, uh, well, she's not broken That's anywhere. Not but, you know, figure <laughs> so, I mean, our, our strengths and weaknesses played really well from each other. And so 
what happened was at the marketing firm, I lost my assistant, and uh, this firm had promised me uh, an assistant so I didn't have to do as much administrative work, which really wasn't my strength. Uh, details and organization, process, none of that. So um, uh, ended up going through a series of assistants, didn't work out. Long story short, I approached my bosses and said, listen, I'd really love to hire Allison as my right hand. And they said what you know any reasonable business owner would say, uh, which is, you know, you're out of your mind. Uh, <laughs> insert a few expletives there. And, um, and so I think it was pretty soon after that. It might have even been that night that, you know, Allie and I were on a walk around our community. And we thought to ourselves, you know, we could go off and do this on our own. We don't really need to work for anybody else anymore. And so uh, it wasn't really around the, the, the uh, dinner table. It was... Uh, you know, on a walk, and then lightning just kind of struck us, and here we are. What city were you in when you were um, doing that walk? Yeah, we were here in Gainesville, actually. Yeah, so I, I tell people often, Paris Leaf is really Gainesville-inspired. There were so many young entrepreneurs at the time. We had a lot of cool startups coming out of Gainesville, 23, 24 years old, and we thought, why not us? You know, we could do it. It's a nice part of the world to do that as well. And the cost of living is, is manageable yeah, as well. Absolutely. Awesome. It was perfect. Yeah, yeah. And that was a big driving force, too. We didn't have much to lose. It was like, we're not too far from the ground floor of zero. So, you know, like, if this doesn't work out, it, it's not going to be that, that, uh, that hard of a fall, you know. Tell me about the name. How did you guys come up with Paris Leaf? Um, Allie, do you want to take that one or shall uh, I? I can take that one, sure. Um, so Paris sure. is our last name, uh, obviously. And we knew we wanted <laughs> to, you know, we started this business really with a desire for a healthy work environment. That was really one of the uh, core values when we decided to go into business together. We really wanted to create something special that um, lit us up and that we enjoyed coming to work to every day. And it really... Um, had that kind of familial sense of, of love and connectedness. So we, we decided really early on that we wanted the name Paris to be a part of uh, uh, the name. The leaf part was actually kind of interesting. So when we first started Paris Leaf, we were focused primarily on print as our um, uh, kind of business mm. model. And so um, because you know, our understanding of the industry and understanding of its impact on the environment, we felt it was only appropriate to make sure that we were giving back. Um, and so we kind of built this uh, print and plant model where for every print job that we processed, we would also plant um, about 10 trees for every order that was placed with us. Um, yeah. Nice. And so that's where the leaf came in. And, you know, we, we, did a pretty um, impulsive domain search and kind of landed on Paris Leaf being being the name. And it's just kind of stuck as our business has continued to evolve and mature into, you know, today, uh, you know, a full-fledged branding and creative agency, so. And obviously you have um, concerns and are interested in giving back to the community and to the environment, yeah. and so it Absolutely. still fits. Yep. We were just talking about um, your name on the last episode of the podcast with Jeff Archibald from Paperleaf. Oh, wow. And I yeah. had to make sure. <laughs> I, 
I had to make sure I wrote things down and didn't screw that up so that I knew which one was which. And I, I, I know it's easy for you because you deal with Paris leaf sure. all the time. But when you see it on a list and it says Paris leaf or paper leaf and it was, um, yeah. So when you hear that episode, I think it comes out uh, yeah. pretty soon here. Um, your actually, ears may oh, be burning. I, I'm excited actually, to listen that, to it. That, it's a funny story. I think we actually came across Paperleaf when we were still really heavy on digital, which was kind of the next iteration of Paris Leaf. And I, I want to say we came across them, Allie, and we were like, oh, my God, this is, like, s- just freakishly similar. <laughs> so, yeah, small world. And it was pretty wild running into it. We were like, hey, we know you guys. <laughs> I know. That was pretty yeah. nice. That yeah. was really great. Yeah. So I love that you guys talk about positive emotions and positive memories for your clients. I love that you focus on writing and designing everything, um, and that you're essentially end-to-end, um, and that you think about the mission and the vision for everything you do with your clients. Um, I love to know how long it took you to hone your own mission and your own values um, just so that you could feel comfortable applying these to your clients. And I think, Chad, I, I want to direct that question at you. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that it took quite a bit of time. I mean, we had a set of core values that we developed probably, I don't know, four or five years ago. And it was really interesting because we designed them, we printed them, we put them up on the walls. They look super pretty but nobody lived by them, really. I mean, we talked about them occasionally from time to time. When we were having a tough business decision, we would remind ourselves, like, oh, don't forget, you know, sustainability is something that's core to us, that authenticity is really important. We want to make sure people can bring their their best and their worst selves to the office. But, like, it, it wasn't really a huge driving force for us until probably about two years ago. And it's really interesting because we had built this process or at least started to build this process uh, to help clients kind of find their mission, vision, and values or what we call purpose, ambition, and values. And um, and then I think one day we were just like, you know what? We're tired of kind of taking care of everybody else's house. Like we need to kind of get our own house in order. And I think it was a, it was partial like jealousy. Like we were like, wow, this is working really well yeah. for our clients. We, we, should consider we should doing do this for ourselves. ourselves. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it's just classic case of the cobbler's kids. Agencies always take care of themselves last. But, uh, you know, as a coach of mine says, like, you, you need to lead yourself well. And it, it's kind of hard to, to give away something you haven't got yourself. Did you notice a change internally after you started really living your own values? Yeah. I mean, it took time. It definitely took time. Part of it was, you know, we we had to really assemble the team around the values and the values around the team. Uh, You know, we had built a set of what I consider to be kind of aspirational core values. But um, I don't know if we had the team, the entire team was like really on board yet. Whereas now, I think everybody's fully on board. We talk about it all the time. Uh, our acronym is G Rice, um, and <laughs> we can talk about that in a second. But, um, anyways, but yeah, you know, now it's something that really, really drives us every day. Uh, I like to think about. I, I like to think we we talk about it on a daily basis. I don't know if that's entirely true, but I would say, you know, at a minimum, 
our values are coming up at least every other day, uh, or at least I would hope that's the case. But it's something that you know we're always trying to improve and embed and make sure that you know it, it really is that 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 our our values, our our purpose, and our ambition are all driving forces for our day-to-day -day business decisions. Ali, what is G Rice? G Rice stands for <laughs> our five values. Um, and I do want to exp expand on that a little bit, um, what Chad was saying, because I think it's important to talk about um, using your uh, purpose and ambition statement and also your core values to make strategic hiring and sadly firing decisions. Um, I think by evolving our core um, kind of brand messaging and really t like owning it and um, metabolizing it for ourselves, it strengthened our ability to make really strategic decisions about who we bring on our team. Um, and as a result, the the conversations are so much easier. The you know um, making decisions as a collective are so much easier because we just bounce it off of our our values, which are gratitude, responsibility, integrity, candor, and excellence. So that's where the G Rice comes from. G yes. Rice? <laughs> How do you know when you're not living up to those standards and who's policing them? Oh, I think we're quite self-policing team. Um, I think we, uh, we're very open with one another and we really turn to one another to hold each other accountable. So if we feel like one another is kind of out of line with our, our values, we're very quick to bring that up in a really kind and empowered way. Um, so there's not necessarily one person with the, you know, the uh, policing badge on, making sure we're having these um, as our, our core values. It's really, I, mean, I think it's, it's somewhat easy, um, and I'll knock on wood as I'm saying it, it's, it's easy when you hire and, and fire um, for your core values because the, the teammates who are ultimately on your team end up embodying those values. Um, so it, it's not as much of a policing as it is like, a, like we're, we're a team doing this together. So there's no G. Rice police. No G. Rice police, <laughs> no. <laughs> we are all G. Rice police. Exactly. Yes. You know, I, I think you've both hit the nail on the head when it comes to values. Yeah. And um, at 10.7, we talk about it as living above the line or behavior that's above the line or mm -hmm. below the line. And it stems from work that we did on our own values and uh, a problem that I ran into in that I was the center and the uh, arbiter of any disagreements or, you know, issues that we had. And that puts me and whoever the leader of the company is in a bad position where especially small things have to be taken care of. And that usually means that um, there isn't a collaborative trust between the team members, because if you had that, they would be able to deal with these things on their mm -hmm. own. Um, and so when we, so that was kind of the genesis of the issues that we had. And once we went through the whole mission, vision, values process um, and our why statement, that kind of fixed itself. Sure. So I, I think you're right. I think it's, I think you don't need a policeman. I think if you have a team that functions at a mm -hmm. high level, like our teams do, it's kind of self-policing. Yeah, and one of our yeah. values is responsibility, right? So the expectation is, and I, I will say, I've witnessed this in Chad. He's an amazing leader. And when there's any problem that bubbles up, he 
without question takes full responsibility. Even if he had little to no involvement in maybe whatever manifested, it's actually a really beautiful thing to witness because it's contagious. Um, and you see, mm-hmm. you see that trickle down and you, and I, I see that now in, in our, our team taking ownership for things that, you know, you can point fingers all day, but owning your part in the puzzle is going to, um, it almost like brings down the, the, um, the boundaries and allows you to get to a place where you're moving towards a solution faster. Um, and s- yeah, it makes it yeah. a lot easier. Keeps people from pointing fingers and blaming each other as opposed to going like, all right, how could I have done this better? What what could I have improved on? Sure. Um, yeah. It gives people yes. permission to take that responsibility, absolutely. doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I, I do love G-Rice now. <laughs> I, I'm trying to come up with an acronym <laughs> for our own values now. So can we go through those absolutely. again and maybe tell... Maybe tell me what uh, each of each one of those values means to you in your day to day. Absolutely. Um, so the first one, G, is gratitude. Um, you know, it's so important to express gratitude. Um, it makes for a healthier work environment, a more pleasant um, environment to foster creativity, um, and helps people feel seen in the value that they bring on a day-to-day basis. So we're really, really passionate about gratitude in our office. And we go so far as to try to understand each individual's love language, um, specifically how they, how they hmm. uh, best receive love in a work environment. Um, because for some, it's words of affirmation. For others, it may be, um, you know, uh, like a hug, physical touch. It could be um, an act of service. You could get their car washed, you know, something, um, or send a cleaner to their house. Um, so there are, there are unique ways in which you can kind of express gratitude, um, to one another. And, uh, yeah, it's just a core of the communication style that we expect internally. And it's also, uh, how we communicate with our clients and how we expect our clients to communicate with us. So, um, when we model that um, gracious uh, communication um, to our clients, it actually fosters a healthier um, communication exchange and uh, less kind of bumps along the way um, as we're working on projects. Yeah, and to add to that, you know, as far as gratitude is concerned, I mean, it, it was actually kind of an aspirational core value. You know, like I mentioned earlier, you know, we weren't necessarily embodying at the time. And, uh, you know, one of the things we were doing was we were catering lunches Monday through Thursday. And mm-hmm. so uh, we had teammates who were uh, kind of complaining about the lunches that we were catering. And so, um, you know, we really felt like, all right, this is something that we really want to aspire to have more of. And so um, even at the time, while it wasn't something that was super authentic to us, um, Again, it was one of those things that we wanted to aim for. As far as, as far as responsibility is concerned, Allison, you know, hit the nail on the head perfectly. When something goes wrong, uh, really taking a step back and asking ourselves, all right, how could we have done this better? You know, and even celebrating mistakes, uh, which leads to excellence, which I'll come to in a second. Uh, integrity is a given. You know, that's something that is just standard. You want to make sure that you are. Um, not only doing business the right way, uh, 
but also that you're honoring uh, yourself or we are honoring ourselves and what's authentic to us. Um, uh, C is candor, and that is uh, what we call candor led by love, right? Uh, it's really, I wouldn't say it's really easy, to be honest. Again, I'd say, at least for me, that was a stretch. I'm not as likely, uh, believe it or not, to sit down and say, hey, you know, here's how we could have done something better. But um, it was a great way to keep us from, uh, you know, holding things in and to really hit things on the head. And that was actually inspired by one of our clients whose core value is straight talk. Um, and then the last one is excellence. So really just striving to get better every single day. Um, I think the greatest example of this is um, the founder of Spanx talks about how, uh, you know, when she was growing up, her, uh, her dad would always ask her and her brother when they would get home from school, what did you fail at today? And um, what she learned from that was that failure is really not only um, uh, okay, but that it's important. That in order to strive for excellence, to get better, you have to fail every single day. So, yeah, just wanted to add those. Did we get through all the letters? Yeah, I think we did. we did. G. Rice, all the way. G. Rice, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I love this focus on empathy. You guys speak speak about each other so nicely and so empathetically. Uh, it's it's behavior that I think all leaders should be modeling. I'm sure your team does the same thing um, in their reaction in their interactions with each other, and it's obviously something that you're thinking about and that you're selling to your clients. And I think my question is, is empathy hard to sell? And I, I don't know who's going to answer this one because it's a tough question. Uh, I don't think it is. I mean, the people that are leading the process have to be empathetic. Uh, what that means is that we have to be a vessel. We are here solely to be a mirror. We are not here to come into the process thinking we know all the answers or that we have uh, any kind of predispositions. Um, so I don't think it's something that's really hard to sell at all. I mean, we're basically coming to them and saying, hey, we're not going to be arrogant. Is that okay with you? Like, it's just <laughs> kind of a, a nice uh, added bonus that, you know, we're not coming to our clients saying, hey, we know all the answers. We're saying, hey, we have a process, and that process will tell us, uh, you know, what we need to understand. So, um, no, I, I don't think it's, it's hard to sell at all. And honestly, it's not even something that we necessarily, you know, lead in with. It's something that I think is just felt by our clients. Can you take us through the process you just mentioned? What's your process? What, what does a new client experience of the process look like? Yeah, it's, it's interesting because, you know, we, we actually have a slide in our, you know, introductory pitch deck, if you will, that says, you know, our, our process isn't rocket science. Um, you know, it's, it goes back to that last answer. It's the people behind it that are rocket scientists, right? Um, they are uh, not only brilliant, but they're naturally empathetic people. So for us, it's, it's a very simple process. Discover, write, design. Um, and then we do that again when we're in the uh, digital process. We do it again if it's a larger print job that we're working on or video. Um, but that is the tried and true method that we have found that 
that works every time. It gives us the inspiration that we need to know in the research phase of discovery. Uh, then we write the message. The words give us the inspiration that we need to figure out what the visuals need to look like. Um, and then we, we go from there. So, um, yeah, it's just been one of those things that, you know, we, we had what we called the, the five-step branding process or something like that. And it was something we picked up from a book called um, uh, Built to Sell. And while it was not something we were necessarily trying to do was to sell our agency, I really, when I, I read that, or actually I listened to it, I hate reading <laughs> but when I listened to it, I was really inspired by this idea of having this super tried and true method. Uh, but ultimately, we dropped the five steps and we just came right back to, um, you know, the, the simplicity of, you know, discover right design. There's something to be said about a simple process that you don't have to think about, something that's natural and that evolves from kind of what you would do, evolutionarily speaking. Yeah. You're trying something, you're refining it, you're testing it, and then you're going back to trying it again. Sci yeah. Scientific well, method. I, <laughs> yeah. You know, like, yeah. thank you, Allison. That's exactly what I needed oh, to God. hear. Of course it's the scientific <laughs> method. I'm getting off the call now. I don't even know what that means. No. <laughs> um, yeah, That's I mean, awesome. I, I got to give Allie a lot of credit on this one um, because I, I think it was just something that she really drove into us is just simplify and process and, um, you know, just make it really, really easy. Um, and that makes it really easy for our clients to understand, especially when we're not coming in, pitching rocket science and data and like, you know, I mean, you know, that is a major part of our process is, is data, but we're just not having to get too technical. It's very, very simple. Process is sometimes a killer, but in this case, I think it's it's not. And um, that, uh, kudos to you guys for being able to distill it down into the basic essentials. Um, Allison, you're the COO, right? So your day-to-day -day is operations. It's um, kind of making sure everything's running correctly, maybe keeping a reality check in place for other executives in the mm -hmm. company. Um, What's bringing you joy these days as the CEO? Oh, that's a great question. Um, yeah, what brings me joy every day? And I, I talk about this, you know, when I answer the question, what's, what's the favorite part about your job? And it really does happen every day. And it's my job, as I see it, is to create a loving and healthy work environment that allows individuals on our team to excel and do their best work. Um, and so when I see my teammates excelling and doing their best work, I know that I've done my, my job. Um, and so that's what brings me joy. I mean, I get to, I get to witness that pretty much every day and it's actually a really beautiful thing. You guys are have an office in Gainesville, right? So you're, you're, um, seeing these people every day in real time. Right. Yeah. I know I, I talk about that like that's a, a weird thing, but I haven't been doing that for a couple of years now. So I'm just kind of asking about, you know, your day to day. It's actually in person. It's not a distributed yeah, agency. That's correct. We do have one teammate on um, the West Coast up in San Francisco. He is um, helping with our business development out there. Um, so we don't get to see him as much, but we do have pretty consistent check-ins with him, and he is actually going to be joining us in just a few weeks for some time uh, here in Gainesville, so that'll be nice. But yeah, everyone else is here, um, located here at our studio in Gainesville. 
we were talking about your possibility of expanding to the West Coast the last time we saw each other. Chad, how did that um, expansion, I, I would guess it's an expansion, right? How's that going? Yeah, it's working out really well. Um, you know, I think it was an experiment that um, mm. we thought was going to, uh, you know, on one hand, work really, uh, really big, really fast. And on the other hand, thought, or it could be the exact opposite. You know, it could be really small and take a long time. And I'd say it's fallen in the middle. Um, you know, it's been, it's been reasonable, I would say. Uh, we've had pretty aggressive goals. And uh, Corey, if he ever gets a chance to listen, I mean, is really just doing a phenomenal job, especially considering, you know, it's, it's kind of a pivot in his career. I'm just really proud of the work that, that he's doing out there. And, um, yeah. I think doing a great job helping us open up into some new and bigger markets. Um, Gainesville's amazing, but um, you know, at a certain point, we kind of outgrew our market. We kept going back and forth, but uh, ultimately decided it was time to expand into a bigger market while keeping our roots here in Gainesville. How do you guys feel about the whole distributed uh, remote worker model that so many companies have adopted these days? <laughs> Uh -huh. <laughs> well, um, it's a great question. I think. And please be very sure. honest. I don't know. Like, it's no. terrible. We only think fools no, 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 do no, no, it. No. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, I used to think that too, so I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> I think you have to be really intentional um, in making that uh, switch or setting up your, your business as a distributed model. And it just takes a different skill set. Um, you know, to manage uh, individuals without having that day-to-day, -day, um, you know, physical eye contact and checking in with them. At the same time, we've had a relatively uh, wonderful experience uh, working with our teammate on the West Coast, and it's allowed us to kind of dip our toe. That being said, I think knowing our personalities, Chad and I, and our values, I, for us, we always it's really important for us to have that physical space that we walk into every day and um, feel connected to the people we're, we're creating and doing supporting and, and doing work with. Um, so for us, it's, it's you know, I, I don't see it necessarily in the future for us, although who knows, and especially just mm -hmm. as, you know, um, uh, technology continues to support uh, those needs, you know, who knows what the future holds. But I think right now it's it's so valuable to us to be able to spend time physically with our with our team. And the work we do is very personal and very um, deep uh, with our clients. And so having having that connectedness, I think, is, is super important um, for us to be able to support our clients. Yeah, it's a really hands on process. Um, I would say, and, you know, Allison, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, but I would say it's something we're open to, but I think our preference is that, you know, we like how things are going right now. Uh, you know, to your previous question, as COO, Allie is on the floor every day, constantly tapped into the pulse of Paris Leaf. Um, I'm out of the office, around town, in meetings, upstairs, downstairs, in the conference room. I'm just not as plugged in, and I think that's such an important part of the culture is just the ability to continuously keep your finger on the pulse. Um, while California is working out really well, it's definitely taking uh, more energy, more effort to stay connected, to stay plugged in, to 
keep coming back to the culture. Whereas when you're here in the office watching it every single day, seeing the living, breathing example of it every day, I, I just, I don't know, it's a toss-up. It's, it's funny, I was, I was much more open to it years ago. And I think that, um, you know, over the years, I, I've just really enjoyed the benefit of being able to, to work with the people that I just so dearly enjoy um, working with every day and, and seeing their faces and giving them high fives. There's just, there's a lot of benefit to it. We have emojis for high fives, you know. <laughs> Not the same <laughs> at all. Yeah, a digital <laughs> high five. Not the same. I think you're right about having to be intentional about being uh, uh, completely distributed in a remote company. I know I, the way you guys feel about being in person right now, I felt for about nine years of 10-7. And I was probably more militant than the two of you about it as well. I was quite interested in always being um, in one place. But like you said... Ali, um, who knows? Who knows what ha what can happen? And um, sometimes, uh, sometimes there are changes and things that you can't control that just um, you know make you think differently. Although I don't see the commute to the office being a big factor in Gainesville as much as it is here in Minneapolis, with snow being a problem for you know eight months <laughs> yeah. of the year. So I, I like I don't think that's going to cause you guys yeah. to not go yeah. to the office. <laughs> Sun is our problem, 11 yeah. months out of the my, year. My biggest complaint in oh, my three-minute drive to work is that my AC doesn't... Yeah, three. my AC doesn't really yeah. fully <laughs> kick on until the last minute as I'm pulling in and parking my car. So <laughs> that's the biggest complaint you'll have from me regarding my commute. <laughs> my gosh, that's awful. I think the only thing that's... A better commute could be uh, going up the stairs to your attic. That's like the only be yeah. better commute than... Uh, you know, <laughs> three yep. minutes. Yeah. My goodness. I have a couple more questions for you before we wrap up here. I saw in a description, Chad, of your bio online that you value what's not being said about all else and that 90% of what is being said is not the actual spoken word. Now, I understand how a person's body language can tell you things that are you know, not in the words that are being used in the conversation. But how does this work for a company? Like, wh what do you mean by you, you value that what's not being said about all else? This actually, I think, parlays perfectly off your, your last question around a distributed team, you know. Um, here we are. We have a, we have a relationship, a pre-existing relationship. Um, and, you know, we've already met face-to-face. -face. When I hear your voice, I can imagine you, right? Mm -hmm. um, I can see you laughing, uh, even though I can't see you right now. I can imagine it. But I'm not sitting right in front of you. You know, I'm not able to see your, your facial expressions, your body language. I mean, there's so much that's missing in your communication right now. I've always been fascinated by people. I think uh, it, was, it was either going to, uh, you know, relationship development, business development, uh, you know, strategy, consulting, or psychology. Um, I just, I'm fascinated by people. And uh, I think what people are not saying is, is fascinating to me. I, I like to live in the awkward and, and the uncomfortable. So 
Uh, as an example, when somebody crosses their arms, they're protecting themselves, they're defending themselves, there's something that is not being said. And I like to live in that kind of gray area of, of saying, all right, you know, what's really going on? Because I can clearly see that there's more to the story than, than what you're telling me in your words. Um, so I'd say that's probably the, the greatest example, but you can really take that to the extreme. Final question for both of you. Is there an off switch? Like, what do you guys do on the evenings and the weekends? Are you still doing Paris Leaf stuff? And how hard is it to focus on, on not Paris Leaf? Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, and this is for both of you. So, like, I don't know who wants to go first. <laughs> yeah. I would say it was a much bigger issue at one point, uh, particularly when we were early on, probably after our years of our first few years of infancy. Um, we kind of hit a point where the startup uh, glow had kind of worn off. This thing had turned into a real business. And I think that's when it was a little more difficult and harder to turn off because it still required so much of us. Um, but today, you know, Allie and I went on this incredible adventure race this weekend. And it was so cool. It was so good for our marriage and for our partnership and um, just such a great team-building experience. So, you know, doing things like that, getting to experience nature or, um, uh, you know, well, a lot of it's really just nature, frankly. <laughs> it's like, what else is there? Yeah, it's just nature. Um, we both just, we love being outdoors. So, uh, you know, we also um, bought a house, I don't know, what was it, Allie, about a year and a half ago. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, about a hundred year old house. We love working on that thing together and um, you know, just seeing what other cool things we can do to make the house feel more like a home. And um, so that's, that's a lot of fun. And then, you know, just got a really great community. But, you know, to answer your question, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think that we do a pretty good job of turning it off. Um, sometimes we don't, but if we ever feel like uh, there's not enough connection time, you know? There's not enough connection time for our marriage. I think we do a pretty good job of just taking a step back and going, okay, you know, we, we need to do something for the marriage, and let's go check in and spend some time just focus on us. Yeah, um, well said. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. I agree with everything Chad said. I think one of the tools that we do utilize um, more on like a, a daily basis is, um, you know, if we are together, say, for example, so Wednesday nights is our date night and we usually go out to dinner and that's in the middle of the week. And so it's kind of hard to disconnect from the flow of of work and um, all things going on around the office. And more often than not, the first 10 to 15 minutes, we kind of let it out of our system. And then one of us, um, without question, one of us always says, okay, let's, let's turn off the work, you know, and uh, transition to, let's talk about something else. So we are good at kind of holding one another accountable for that. Um, and, and we do spend a lot of time intentionally disconnecting um, probably would benefit from some more, but um, travel is another way that we we try to, you know, give ourselves a little bit of distance. I think for us, at least uh, over the past nine years, the the best way that we can truly disconnect is by going out of the country. Um, 
seems to be just geographically when we, you know, if we go to a, a city that's close, we just still are tapped in and connected. But for whatever reason, the second we cross into international borders, it, it enables us to feel like we can truly disconnect. There's something about Belgium and Amsterdam and Germany and, and Italy that just can do that mm. for you. Yes, <laughs> among among many other among yes. many other countries. Among many. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. Well, yeah. it's been so amazing talking to both of you. Thank you for spending your time with me. It's been yeah, a great thank pleasure. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much. We really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks for having us, Yvonne. It was awesome. My guests today were Allison Paris and Chad Paris, co-founders of Paris Leaf, a branding and design agency in Gainesville, Florida. You can find them online at parisleaf.com and on social media as at parisleaf, except for Instagram where they're at parisleaf underscore team. You've been listening to the 107 podcast. Find us online at 107.com slash podcast. And if you have a second, do send us a message. We love hearing from you. Our email address is podcast at 107.com. Until next time, this is Ivan Stegich. Thank you for listening. <laughs>